here's the thing. If we don't quickly assess that we have the resources to deal with the thing that is scaring us, then we're going to just stay right over there in our comfortable red or comfortable blue, our dysregulated defensive space. So what we're directing right now is anybody that's hearing our voice right now, like we're talking to you specifically, and you can handle the feeling that you're avoiding by doing the threat response, whether it be the preoccupation and the anxiety or the downregulation and the zipped up talk to the hand. You have the fear for a reason and you believe you can't at times handle that experience. And we're saying you can, you can handle that fear of abandonment that's maybe being activated inside you. And what happens is that we might activate all these strategies to avoid that feeling inside of us, but slowing down with the feeling and going, I can't, I have the internal resources. I have resources that I can access around me in order to know that I can handle that feeling. Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. Building on decades of professional experience, this podcast tackles neurobiology, modern attachment, and more in an honest, easily digestible way. Today's session begins right now with Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. Hey, everybody. We are super excited to be back. We are energized. I was joking that we had uh, been bending around the bend. (laughs) And we had a great time bending around the bin. We did, but we also did a ton of contemplation about what the heck we were doing, about the show, you know, what our purpose was. There was a lot of purpose reflection. Yeah, we were walking the walk, weren't we? We were walking the walk by taking some time out for ourselves, slowing down. And it felt good to really clarify our purpose and energize ourselves for this new season, didn't it? Yeah, we went from being unclear that we wanted to continue and maybe kind of put it on hiatus for a little while to where we landed, we were very excited to say, is that we actually are kind of doubling down. We're going to be more focused on the show and in particular on our community that we have collected and hopefully will continue to collect. So one of the things that I loved about what we did, Anne, was by taking it off the table for a minute where that there wasn't an obligation to do it, we didn't have to, some of those things, then we could get really clear about what we actually wanted. And we weren't just on, my big thing is like, I don't want to be on automation that just because, you know, we got on this train and now we're just stressing about creating a new episode and kind of some of the tension related to that. And by taking it off the table for a minute, it's like, do we really have anything else to add? Are we actually adding content? Is this something that really matters? To me, I felt like it was really helpful to even put some other things aside to be able to do this. It was a real journey, though. As you were saying it, I can even remember my flow of emotions along the way. Like when we first like, maybe we just take it off the table and the flood of relief I had because of the weight of this sometimes. Yeah, it's freaking hard work. It is. Those of you out there thinking, I'm just going to start a podcast and I'm going to turn my microphone on. It's a lot of hard work. But it was such an interesting journey because after like just what you said, after we freed ourselves up to like, maybe we could just put it on hold, take a break, focus on other things. I could feel myself miss it. And it really did then re-clarify for both of us how important it is. And the other thing I thought was that like we were doing, okay, this is going to be a gendered way of saying it, but I felt like we were doing the girl thing, which was like, oh, we need to give, give, give. And we probably don't have that much to add. 
some sort of bullshit about not taking up space and not having our voice and not valuing what we've produced. Couldn't have said it better. So to me, part of it was, it's kind of like that Tina Turner song, you know, This Little Light of Mine. It's like, let's not hide our light. This is a really incredible show. We have this incredible community that we're going to grow. We're ranked in our category, social science and science in 75 countries. So hello, everybody around the globe. Thinking in those terms about we have the privilege of the mic, why in the world would our little small personalities be like, oh, but we don't have anything to say. We want to stop being that socialized girly stuff of like, oh, shucks. And we really want to own it and share the mic as much as we can and just say, hey, man, we did this. Let's move it from hobby status into something more professional. And from there, we knew that we needed some more support. Yeah. And the support that we finally landed on, I'm really excited about because it was a journey. What support are we going to do? No, we don't need support. I'm telling you, the last couple of months has been kind of funny. If we could kind of take you through the whole journey and landing where we landed, I feel really good about. And for one, we have decided to shift. Those of you that are neuro nerds out there, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you and those are Patreon members, and we have been a part of Patreon for quite a while, and it's been wonderful for us. But there is a new community podcast support called Supercast that is made specifically for podcasts. And once we really learned all the features of how we could utilize that for our Patreon support, who are now going to be Supercast supporters, we really got excited about all the opportunities out there. And one of the big ones was we had been devoted to not having ads on our show. We really wanted to keep it indie produced. And you all are trusting us to put us in your ears and to take us on walks and to listen to us in the car. You're trusting us. And we hold that so deeply and we honor it so much. And so we didn't want to be using that to kind of be making money on that or doing anything nefarious. <laughs> but, you know, that can go so far, whereas we're not taking care of ourselves. We can be too caretaky sometimes, both of us, don't you think? Yes. So we're going to do just a few ads in the middle of the show. This is going to be the one time we mention it. If you want to continue an ad-free feed, then you just meet us over on Supercast. It's called therapistuncensored.supercast.com. And for as little as $5 a month, then you're going to continue with the ad-free content, plus get some other cool things. We're not going to talk about that right now. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. So that was one of the changes. So both by building the community and going ahead and finally giving in a little bit and opening up to some ads to support the show, then that's what gave us the juice of like, okay, we're not having to just bootstrap this by ourselves. And I felt really happy about that. And I thought it was going to be like this confession or this apology. And I don't feel that. I feel like, no, we're taking ourselves seriously. If you could see me, I'm doing the Z snap. <laughs> and we're going to do this thing. So content. Ah, you want to jump into content. I let's, do. Let's I do. do it. Well, you know, while we were off, we did some replays of some of our most favorite episodes, some of your most favorite episodes. And we ended with the three episodes on attachment, where we talked about preoccupied, dismissing, and disorganized adult attachment strategies. And we did that for a purpose, didn't we? We wanted you guys to have it really fresh on your mind as we jump into season six and continue to add to and share our developed ideas from that point. Yeah, and it wasn't just attachment in the way you've always heard it. 
if that was all we had, we wouldn't really necessarily think we were adding anything, right? Right. But we have our own take on it, and we're not going to repeat that, but if you're not clear about the modern attachment spectrum, the, I think we call it the modern attachment regulation spectrum, because what we're doing is we're integrating relational neurobiology and interpersonal you know, relational neurobiology with the old science of attachment, the developmental science, the adult science. We're basically pulling it all together and then going to be bringing to you the best of, the kind of the need to know, the practical parts of the science to build security. And we realized that in jumping into our new season, sometimes when we talk about it, or when anybody talks about building security, we can make it sound so easy. You know, if you're struggling with this, we're going to like really try to help you move from the blue to the green. In other words, maybe from more dismissing attachment to deepening the security inside of you and feeling more security. That's hard as hell. Yeah. One of the things we realized is that like, we're just scratching the surface ourselves <laughs> individually and as a dyad and barely, barely, barely even really being able to do this. We're a little bit ahead of ourselves intellectually. <laughs> Children go where we go, not where we point. I mean, we do this periodically, but we really, in this case, really slowed down and was like, oh yeah, it's really easy to say, oh, if you're preoccupied, if you're dysregulated, just, you know, move back to the green and take some deep breaths and stuff like that, that can be just intellectual. Right. We feel a commitment when we're saying it, but if we stay on the intellectual level and you can't feel it, it's really easy to set up some experience of shame in people for not being able to just take some deep breaths and move right in there into a secure experience. Or if you're more in a dismissing place to really feel the ability to reach out and tackle your fear of connection. But in reality, that takes a lot of energy inside you to make these movements. You know, and I could feel it myself that sometimes I would feel kind of, I don't know what the feeling is, not good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a, that's very good. It's not very sophisticated. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of shame or embarrassment or a little fraudish when we would be talking about these things, but I didn't necessarily have it down in my real life. But, you know, what we know is that that's true for everybody. And rather than trying to present ourselves as we're finished and we're going to be the brilliant people to show you down the path, I want you to think of us as walking along with you. And we're going to continue to share more deeply and more intimately some of the things we've learned in really doing that. So, for example, you mentioned the dismissing, moving over to green. Again, that's very easy to say, but when I am in that more zipped up place... I've begun to really study what stops me from doing all the things we say to do. Turn towards, lean in, trust, say a little more. Have some curiosity. Have some, all these great, and that's all true. But we want to slow down in today's episode and just talk about, like, I like your formulation of, like, first of all, let's just even figure out if we're in our defensive system or not. Like, in other words, are we in our security system? Are we in our, is our defense department active and planes flying and, you know, trying to protect us? Or are we in this more grounded, secure place? So that's one thing, because basically we're distorting information if we're in the defense department realm. So we just want to like, almost like really slow down the frame and move from basically helping to support you and moving from that more defended, comfortable place, or at least that automatic place into something new and scary and different. And just recognizing, like you mentioned, that you're in the defense is really sometimes the hardest step. 
especially when you said you're in the zip top dismissing, sometimes it's, it's a little bit harder to recognize yourself in that state because it feels so good sometimes. It feels so right. It's true. But even in the, you know, activated, I've been done to, I can't believe you've done this. It's actually also feels pretty good to externalize in the red and the preoccupied. I mean, we usually talk about it like how good it feels to be on the dismissing side only because for me in any way, that's the more comfortable place. <laughs> like, I don't need anything. What's your problem? But the truth is, even when I'm upregulated, I feel justified. I feel like I know. What you're saying is, especially when you move into the higher, more hot red, right? Like that you're just pissed and angry and in this, like I've been done too, so I get to be pissed off and I get to be angry. You're right. There's some ways that that can feel really satisfying. Well, it can feel satisfying, but it also isn't, even if it's not satisfying, if I'm unhappy with it, it certainly doesn't necessarily feel vulnerable. Right. Like sometimes we can use vulnerability as a way of getting the other person. Exactly. Like, especially if we're in that state, you know, we talk a lot about what story we're telling and how distorted our stories are when we are in our activated state. So if we're in a highly red state and we're in that, I know if I'm in there and I feel really justified because somebody has done me wrong and I'm really angry, it's really hard to know that I'm actually in my defense system because I've been done to. So of course I'm pissed. And of course I'm looking out and saying, how dare you? It makes all the sense in the world. So, Anne, you're saying, though, that the, one of the things is, first of all, we just have to figure out that our defense department, our airplanes are flying around us trying to defend us. So when we feel pretty satiated or satisfied, like, how is it that you recommend us figuring out that, no, actually, we're not in a secure place. We're in that defended, activated place. Recognizing it, as I said before, is the hardest step. Let's do stop and take a moment for that. And that's, I think, one reason... This season, I'm you and I both, but I'm really into this idea of just really trying to identify that you're in the defense system versus the connected system. You don't even have to recognize, am I going red or blue? Because sometimes those can seem a lot. lot yeah, they can very, get all merged they together. They get all merged together. But if you go, wait, what am I going for? Just the idea of being able to slow down and take a moment to reflect. Wait, am I actually, which system am I in? Which nervous system? If we think about our nervous system, is it out there actively protecting you because it feels like something's a threat to you? Or is your nervous system in this way that says, oh, the world is fairly safe and I'm open to connecting both to myself and to other people? Yeah. And here's the tricky part about that is when we are more activated, at least my experience is I'm not feeling like I am threatened. No, that's a good point. Right. I'm not aware that I've got my airplanes flying, you know, or whatever. It doesn't feel that way. Like, to be really honest, it's just sometimes like when we're in session and we're trying to help somebody see that they might be a little activated or what have you, it's actually a tricky move because they have to be in this cooperative place where that they use your feedback to then be able to go, oh, yeah, I can see that. Right. And one of the signs actually that you are in a defense and activated state is if you try to slow down and somebody says, are you in that state? And you're like, I'm not the pressure to respond is one of the bigger indicators that you're actually in your defense versus your more connected, open, safe space. Because right. when you feel that sense of pressure, and we all know that pressure, right? We're sitting there talking to our spouse and something happens and it's like, oh, you have to say something back. We can't actually listen anymore because our body is activated to respond. But we feel like we have clarity, don't we? We're like, oh, no, no, no. The reason I'm interrupting you is because I have such good clarity about what I need to say. And let me tell you this, I'm interrupting you because you wouldn't feel the way you feel if you knew what I was about to say. <laughs> so you just need to stop talking. 
so that I can jump in. <laughs> Y'all have never heard this on the podcast between the two of us, I'm sure, where <laughs> I've interrupted her because I had something so important to say <laughs> that I couldn't hold it. <laughs> so, yeah, but sometimes we are just brilliant. You know that, right? <laughs> so really, that is generally a sign that your body's activated. doesn't mean you're all in threat, right? Like, cause you could be activated and just excited, in, excited, right? right? Like that's also part of the, the red, the more activated stage, you know? So that's why to divide it more in my, in my defense department or in my, in my more peace and connection, am I jumping in and interrupting you because we're joining each other, right? Like where I'm really listening and I'm excited, or is it that my body's actually feeling activated and I feel a sense of a little bit of emerging threat. Maybe the threat is I'm not going to be heard. I'm going to lose my point and you're going to take over. And I mean, they can be a really subtle threat, right? Right. And it's funny. I wish that we need to keep working on this about the idea of calling it threat. Because again, when we're in it, this is an unconscious process. I'm not thinking I feel threatened. So therefore I'm going to interrupt you. My felt experience is just that you need me to interrupt you <laughs> so that we can make this thing go better. Right? Right. So when we're saying threat, because how many people are like, what? You know, they kind of shrug. It's like, I'm not scared. You know, no, that's a great point. Right. So I'm not quite sure how to talk about it. And that's okay, because a lot of this is not, it's on the right brain, you know, lower body, limbic. It's not super organized in words. So these words are inadequate to describe what actually happens. That's a great point. And if we try actually to articulate it in words, we're going to defend ourselves even more. I'm not feeling threatened. Like, especially if you try it's to real tell fast. me. fast. That's actually a sign. Right. So that's what you were saying earlier is like right. that really fast. Remember a really early podcast that we ever did? We talked about ping pong versus catch. Yes. So ping pong being like, if I'm like, but Anne, you, da, 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 da. and then if you're bound, if you ping it back to me and it's like, well, Sue, da, da, you know, that's ping pong. That's usually a sign. There's at least a little bit of activation. We're probably not in our most grounded self. And you could think about it. The reason we use that example is in ping pong, it's kind of satisfying, but you're just waiting to react. But in catch, when you throw the ball in the end, that's how you can tell when you're really connected, right? Because we're talking about the security system being connected with self and other. If I'm just interrupting you because I'm so excited that I need to get my point out that I can't hear yours, I'm probably not in my most connected state. But in catch, you know when you throw that ball and the other person catches it, there's a moment of both of us feeling satisfied. Yeah. The other way that I'm sort of, again, I'm trying to embody it is like, there's no rush. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the toss, the ball's coming. I see it coming. I know your intent. Right. I'm accurately reading the message. And then I get my hands around it and I take it into my chest. I love that. Yes. Right? That's a loop. As a matter of fact, the reason it's a loop and it's not just one direction is because I'm showing you that I understand that I've caught the ball. And that just by itself can really impact your relationships and even your body. And you can't see Sue as she's, that's really hard to say. You can't see Sue. <laughs> see Sue at the seashell at the seashore. <laughs> but as she's doing that, she's showing her hands of catching. As she's doing that, she's making really intense eye contact. You know, we're saying, how do you recognize it? And that is, do you feel your body when you're with somebody else or even with yourself? Do you feel your body with that sense of openness and connection to the other person and yourself? And as you were saying that, when somebody's talking and you realize you're actually six lines ahead of them holding 
a moment to find the breath to speak, that you're probably in a more activated state. So I just want to stop for a moment and go, hey, we all do that. Like, we're never going to all walk around in this perfectly catch moment with one another. That's just BS, right? Even if you're in a monastery and you're meditating, all the, right? That this right. is a human condition. Yeah. And that's not the goal, right? But what we're talking about in this first step is that it's just the recognition. Like I could easily go, oh my gosh, I want to interrupt you because I'm so excited. Like I'm already connecting to you more, right? So it's what you were asking earlier. I was like, so we want to recognize that we're in it, be a little bit more self-aware and go, hey, am I actually really present right now? Like if you can just literally ask yourself that question with self-reflection, you've already moved yourself a little bit more towards the green because for you to just be able to reflect on it means that you're more in an embodied connection. That's actually, yeah. So let's talk about the neurobiology of that, that when our limbic is active, that's that mammalian, it's not just defense, but for sure the primary thing is safety. But what you're describing is that when we can slow things down, we can take the pause and we can be, it's almost like creating a third, like an observing person up above us. You know, how are you doing there, Sue? Like, how's she doing? Is she hearing? Like, the, it's just sort of monitoring. That is our higher cortical basically the prefrontal cortex, the orbifrontal cortex, the good stuff that we want activated. So just the reflection alone, even if the reflection is, oh my God, you're really um, being aggressive. We might not stop it yet, but we're already moving in the direction when we can begin to have that observing ego is what they call it in psychology. But I guess what we would say is, I actually, I think of that Lego, the mast on the boats that are really high. What are those called? Where you can see 360 degrees and you know, land ho. Um, <laughs> Somebody please write into us what yeah. that is because I'm not going to come up with it. I do know what you're talking about. Right. So it's basically the part that is above the boat that's looking around and can kind of see how the boat's doing, see the weather, see what's coming in the weather. I sometimes, to bring it in more modern time, <laughs> I sometimes refer to that as a helmet cam. But I guess actually that's not a good one. That's not actually the example of helmet cam because helmet cam is what you can see in the world, but you can't necessarily see you. So what you're talking about is the meta level to be able to reflect you have to out. be up a little bit. Yes. And be able to look down on yourself. And just doing that, to be able to look up and look down at yourself. But then those of us that sometimes have had really negative experiences in our histories and have negative stories, sometimes we can do that and then really negatively critique ourselves. That is not what we're that's speaking of. That's a bitch, isn't it? It is. And that is not what we're speaking of. Like if you were up there and saying, oh my God, here you're doing that thing again and you're ready to da, 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 and you can hear that really negative critique, you can be certain that the department that you're in is the activated defense system criticizing yourself. It's like the default mode network is what it's called. And that can work well for us. And that can also, that's also where some of that negative self-talk comes. If you notice that, then to say, oh my gosh, I'm doing that thing again, aren't I? Like literally just being aware. Look at that thing. Crow's nest. That's what it's called. <laughs> it is. You're right. It is the crow's nest. Good for you. <laughs> the crow's nest up above. I love it. But if you find yourself up there and that's a negative content, a negative evaluation of yourself or the other people, and that's all you can see, if it has a bunch of judgment in it, it likely isn't just an awareness. The way that we want to begin to think about this is that we have these attachment relationships that we got when we were young based on our experience, but that's not predetermining your life. Sometimes attachment can be over 
attributed to things. Because the truth is we have attachments with everybody. We have a different attachment with everybody, really. We might have a style, but what we want to begin to focus is like, what is your attachment to yourself? Like, how do you orient? How do you show up for yourself? So the other big piece we wanted to make besides just even beginning to recognize if you're in defense versus if you're in your secure space, because that alone is already getting you halfway there. But the other part is, okay, so let's say that something's happened and I've zipped up and maybe my crow's nest can say, oh, Sue, you're pretty blue right now. So that's one thing. But then that movement to change it, like how many of us, like this happens all the time in therapy where somebody will be telling me these wonderful things about their partner and they'll be kind of like cringing about themselves and how they've behaved and I'm like, have you talked to them about that? And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> no way. Why would I tell them that? <laughs> so many of us know a lot more than we let on about our bad behavior. Not bad behavior, that's judgmental. But you know what I mean, our dysregulated behavior. So what we want to now speak towards is helping you do that incredibly brave thing. So for example, information comes in and I lean red, or I'm at least I'm behaving in that way. And so maybe a neutral thing comes in, but that I, I can feel myself. This is an interesting thing. An actual affect or an emotion lasts 90 seconds. Anything after 90 seconds, you're telling story. To continue it. To, I think that's a really to, important. To either, when you're in security, your story that you tell is going to be different than when you have the Jaws music playing, when you're in more of your defense system. So what I'm saying is like, okay, so you're in your defense system you're doing that, again, mostly unconsciously to protect yourself, which means that to get out of it, that is the most courageous move in the entire universe. Because when you're green, you're already green. So it's easy to be patient. It's easy to be reflective. It's easy to be empathic. For those of you that may not have had the opportunity to listen to the episodes about green, green is about being in your secure state. When we say green, that is the idea of being yeah, in like a more secure either state or trait attachment experience, yes. Right, like a balance between your thinking and your feeling, your heart's online, you can feel your compassion for yourself, for the other person, all the good stuff. So sort of the last point here is the truth is when you actually are defending yourself, you're doing it for a good reason at some level, but we're going to help resource you through our show already that's happened and what's going to happen going forward to help you take that courageous step to face the whatever the fear is. Now we are going to call it a fear because it is a threat. The, the, the reason that you're being red or you're being blue, that in other words, that you're distorting information, either exaggerating it and telling the story of abandonment or exaggerating it in the direction of not taking in attachment-related information. So, or exaggerating it in... The fear of engulfment. Exactly. The, exactly. That we're talking about more the dismissing in blue, exaggerating the idea that if I get connected with someone else, I'm actually going to lose my own sense yeah, of the, self. The Hoover, the vacuum Hoover over there that's going <laughs> to suck you up into oblivion. <laughs> Those needy bastards that all want, want a piece of you. <laughs> but I think one of the things you're saying that is so important is that when we are in our fear, we're in our fear for a good reason right? Like we've developed those experiences and those strategies for a very, very good reason. And being able to sort of reflect and recognize that. Right. But I'm saying something a little different, which is that's all good, but actually moving back into relationship from either side is 
really courageous. Here's the thing. If we don't quickly assess that we have the resources to deal with the thing that is scaring us, then we're going to just stay right over there in our comfortable red or comfortable blue, our dysregulated defensive space. So what we're directing right now is anybody that's hearing our voice right now, like we're talking to you specifically, and you can handle the feeling that you're avoiding by doing the threat response, whether it be the preoccupation and the anxiety or the downregulation and the zipped up talk to the hand. You have the fear for a reason and you believe you can't at times handle that experience. And we're saying you can, you can handle that fear of abandonment that's maybe being activated inside you. And what happens is that we might activate all these strategies to avoid that feeling inside of us, but slowing down with the feeling and going, I can't, I have the internal resources. I have resources that I can access around me in order to know that I can handle that feeling. Yeah. And I'll just share a little snippet from just my own experience. Even just during this break, I was doing this meditation basically and initially, like I was trying to think, okay, where's my resource? Like there's some things that I was like, it was really hard for me to face and I just wouldn't do it. I would just, oh, you know, like that feeling of like pushing it away, right? Like it's like, oh God, like I'm either going to feel so bad and overwhelmed if I look at it or I'm going to dissociate and leave the person, <laughs> you know, and I'm fine. But then I've done something maybe that has caused harm or caused pain. So basically, my clarity was like, I really can't do it by myself. It really is. It will pop me out of relationality with myself because I'll either get flooded or I'm just going to zip up and not feel it. Just cut off. Cut off. That's right. Dissociate. As you know, I want to begin to think in terms of like these minor dissociative things that we do in order to be okay. So what I needed to do, like I'd always thought like my generation of family that I could see, right, that I was aware of, and no offense to them, but they didn't help resource me in the way that I needed, like say for example today. Like they also were caught up in their own survival, so they don't have it for me. And so if I didn't think about it all the way through, I would feel like, well, I'm just on my own. And therefore, since I'm on my own, again, I'm not thinking these thoughts. They were just true in my body. So therefore, since I'm on my own, I can just kind of do what my little small capacity is. So the shift was, no, I, I don't want to think about just that one lineage of my support where I can see it in my 360 degrees. I want to think about myself as whether it be like a little atom in the universe <laughs> or so many things have come before me that have been withstood or have destroyed or have enlivened. And there will be so many things after me. And I'm just this one little moment in time person that if my little small personality says, oh, I can't handle it. Basically what it means is I'm leaving myself and I'm also leaving the other person that I might could be able to be with and whatever the situation is like burying what I've done. This is just one example. So what I'm trying to say is for me, one of the things that was helpful to help me face things that I was scared to face was really tapping into this bigger resource. It's like almost like an ancestral feeling of I'm not the first person that has had to face something like this or that has hurt someone and I won't be the last person. And there's something really comforting and reassuring to know. What you're saying is people before me and people after me have been able to endure this. 
and to go through this and that not only does it help you know you can, it also knows you're not, makes you know you're not alone in it. Right. And that's what we're saying to you, every person hearing this, is that you're not alone in it either. No matter how isolated that you are, the truth is, again, you come from a line of people. You know, humanity's been behind you. Humanity's going to be in front of you. You're listening to this podcast, which means that hopefully, I, I imagine that you're connecting with us. We're towards the end of the show and you're still here. So that is a real connection. That matters. And then there's other people listening too, to exactly this podcast. So then now you have this community of listeners. So those are just little examples of just shifting just a little bit and you can feel yourself as part of something rather than it's you against the world. And knowing that you're not alone and having the resource of both A, being connected for your experience, you to be connected to your own pain and your own fear of experiencing that. So you're connected to yourself and then turning to thinking, I have resources and connecting to other people. That's right, because it's with resource. It's only with resource that we can do that really scary thing of facing the thing that we are afraid of that feels like it'll be too overwhelming. And in any way that we dysregulate, it is scary because the move is moving back into connection. So like just a tiny example is say if something happens that I might can actually, if you, if I slow it down enough, I might feel myself making a bigger deal of it than it really is. Right. Right. That's not totally unconscious. And so when I can notice that, or even I might not notice that I made that move of like, oh yeah, you're just going to do this to me again, just like everybody else, you know, maybe I'm already there and I don't feel where I made the story move to make it abandonment. But I can begin to see like, oh God, here's that story again about, of course, you're going to leave because everybody leaves, right? And so moving into doubt about that story puts us more into connection. And that is terrifying. If it was easy, we wouldn't be here. We'd be out of a job because we would have just told everybody like, oh, just do this thing. And then we're like, (laughs) everybody will be like, oh, okay, I just need to be green, not red or blue. (laughs) Well, and another thing that you're saying is that it's so easy sometimes when we say, oh, move into connection as if moving into connection is easy and never scary. It's always a good thing. That isn't true. Moving into connection can be extremely difficult and scary. You know, you brought up that example before of a client in our office and saying, oh my God, I did this horrible thing. Have you told your partner and that? And like, hell no. And to stop and just think about that example, to be able to turn and go, I did this thing and turn towards your partner. You have to really think about the vulnerability. That's a connection to say, you know, when I did that, I really, really acted out. And I really want to come back to that. I really want to unpack that with you. I really want to revisit that with you. Just thinking about the fear that can come up as you imagine doing that. You can get connected to the fear of the connection with that person. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really scary. And I was just kind of laughing a little bit though. It's like, I totally acted out. It's like, Anne and I, this is actually how we talk at like, it sounds like therapy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So just another version of that might be, you know, like, I'm sorry. I think I was, um, let's see, what's normal talk? Like, um, (laughs) I think I was pretty hard on you about that. You know, I could tell that I I snapped at you. That might be more normal language. But like what you're saying is to do that is actually very, very, very courageous. Sometimes it's even scary to give somebody a compliment. I mean, I want to do a whole episode. Or to take a compliment. I I want to do a whole episode on that at some point. Like the, how hard it is sometime to give or to receive a compliment. Now you think about that. Why would that be difficult? Why is that scary? But if you imagine for many of us, it really, really is. It's a really difficult point of connection. 
But one of the things that's so important in this dialogue is you've brought up several times is the idea of resource. The resources, we've talked a lot on this podcast about developing resources inside you and how to do that and between us. And I think that's part of what was happening for us over the break is that we realize how hard this journey is and how much we also want to be a resource for you out there listening. And how much you as a listener is a resource to us. Very much. So this is part of why we're turning to build this community a little more that we're in this together and this is a mutual admiration society here <laughs> and it's a mutual support society that we couldn't, we would not still be here without every single one of you that has written, that has spoken up, that has joined us on our online community, that has given us ratings and reviews, like really and truly we feel like we're in it with you and you guys are in it with us. And it helps us double down on our meaning and our purpose, which is what we've been focusing on and that is deepening the sense of security inside of us, between us, and spreading that and spreading that around the world. We need that more now than ever, the deepening of a sense of security and to really get centered on that mission as a podcast. And as I, like you said, Sue, as our community together, we're going to keep doing that. And I'm just really excited about it. I am too. And before we go, I want to speak to those of you that are eye rolling us when we say, no, you have more resource than you're aware of. So there will be some people that are listening that will be thinking like, yeah, but you're not talking to me. And for all of you that are kind of still standing apart right now, I just want to say that to look at your story, like why are you hanging on to that story? My story is a better story, right? That there is this community and that you have this internal and external community. And if it's not rich enough, then let's do something about that. And let's do that scary thing of trying a little more or opening or reaching out. But even in this moment, questioning your story, like why is that more satiating and satisfying? Why are you holding on to that story versus taking the risk of like, oh, what if there is more hope? What if I could do something about this? What if I don't keep repeating the story that actually creates that sense of isolation? That's exactly that, Because right. it's not only the story, is it true or is it not, that in our story, it's self-fulfilling. Yeah, we engage in behaviors that, in fact, create that, right? It is absolutely We can't get out of our story saying, nobody's going to be there for me. We're not going to notice all the ways that somebody might be right there, right now, wanting to be close, closer to you That's right. and to be available to you. That's right. That's so right. this journey of deepening our stories is going to be part of our continued effort together. Yeah. And, and I guess the other thing I would say is like, I'm really aware of our privilege sitting here saying, no, really, you have community and there's people out there. And I do know that there's, again, we are heard all over the world and we don't know your individual circumstances. That's true. So having said that, you know, there's resource related to, again, ancestors around resource related to spirituality, resource related to nature, resource related to land and your country resource related to your identity in different ways. Resource related to finding purpose and meaning and finding ways of looking up. Like I love that you mentioned nature. Resources sometimes in terms of your body and connecting to your body through exercise. So we aren't just talking when we say resources. We're saying that resources are abundant in different ways that we sometimes we cut ourselves off of 
And we want to help remind you to look up because it's only being resourced. What trauma is, is the thing happening to us overwhelms what we perceive our resource to be. So that's why we're focusing on, no, you ground, you resource, you find that. I don't know what it is. Let us know. Let us know what it is for you. And that it's only from this resource place that we can then turn back from our defended place back in the connection. So, yay. Yay. That's a mic drop. So thank y'all for listening all the way through. We want to invite you to be part of our new Supercast community. Supercast community. That's right. Do you want to say a little bit about it? Supercast is a way of supporting us, just like Patreon. If what you're hearing and what you've been hearing and what you will hear in the future really touches you and reaches you, you feel like it's a resource. Joining Supercast is a way to help us continue to spread this word to those who might not otherwise hear it, who can't go into therapy, who may not have accesses to so many different kinds of resources out there. And you could be part of that process by joining Supercast. The community itself is Supercast is a little bit more oriented, like we said in the beginning, for podcasters, for listeners that can get on and form a sense of community within that network. So basically for as little as $5 a month, you'll get this ad-free feed you will get access to the rest of the community. There's also a Ask Me Anything sessions. There's all kinds of cool stuff. So just check it out at therapistuncensored.supercast.com. I think that's what it is. In future episodes, we'll keep saying this because this is new to us too. But it's evolving and we want to hear from you and we really want to invite you in to be part of this community. Also, one other change. Have you noticed our new look? We have moved from Therapist Uncensored with three thought bubbles which is still happening. Sue and I thought bubbling out together as well as our guest. But what we've done is we've created a look that really highlights what our mission is on this podcast. And so you will notice a new look where you're seeing a light bulb and we want you to notice what's inside that light bulb. And the light bulb has this integration of our brain, our hearts and our body. And that's what we feel like we're all about. And so we decided that our logo really needed to match what it is that our community is working towards. So you'll see the light bulb, which I know will be familiar to many of our long-term listeners, but we didn't want to just leave it at that. It's not just cognitive insight. So the light bulb basically represents becoming conscious of patterns and like the illumination of something that we hadn't seen before, which is what a lot of this work is about because it's, it's not just cognitive, it's body. And then what the filaments, which is kind of the energy inside the light bulb, is the brain. You'll see, of course, that's to be expected in interpersonal neurobiology. But we really wanted to focus not just on the organ of the brain in the skull, but the brain throughout our body. So you'll see these little squiggles underneath the little brain to represent the full body, the embodied self. And then in the middle of all of it is there's this little heart. So basically, this is the integration right, left, top, bottom, body, thoughts, feelings, you know, that's what you're looking at. And we want to thank everybody for helping us with this. This was kind of a collective effort, and we're really proud of it and excited for what's to come. Some of our Patreon members were even integrated in that. That's, that's right. very yep. fun, very that's exciting. Right. All right. I think that's a wrap of our first episode of our season six. Season six, Sue, we have our seatbelts on. Really excited about this year. We've, we've had several interviews already in the can. That's right. And outside of the Supercast, if you find value in this, please share, rate us and review us. That's the best way that we are discovered. 
And in the meantime, we'll see you around the bend. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. 